you are participating along with people from all over the world in the reading of the word. Isn't that powerful that we have people from all over the world who are coming together for the reading of scripture? I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing, you guys. We have people from the UK, from South Africa. We have people from Uganda. We have people from Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, Haiti, all over the US. You name it, we're there. And we have people from Australia. We have people from different time zones. Right now, in this moment, as we are about to read the scriptures, we've got people who are just waking up. We have people waking up in the middle of the night. We have people who are... Um, who are, who are reading during their lunch. We have people who are about to wind down to go to sleep. We have people who are eating during supper, dinner. We have people from all over the world together in this moment reading the scriptures. It is powerful, guys, to see what we're able to do with the technology that's afforded to us and provided to us. And that's why we're here. We're here together to gather to read the word and to ask that the Lord would speak to us, to ask that the Lord would... Um, um, visit us, to encounter us as we engage in his word. This isn't a Bible study. This is a read and rant. We had Bible study last night, which was really awesome. I'm glad a lot of you guys were there. I just realized, family, on Patreon, just a side note, I just realized, Patreon family, I'm sorry. I just realized I had written out the post for the the invitation for you guys to invite your friends uh, to come and attend with you. And it wasn't until this morning, as I was posting the audio for the Bible study on Patreon, as I was posting the audio for the Bible study, that I noticed that the post didn't go through. And so I apologize in advance for that. I just realized that. So um, there were still some folks who still showed up, but I, I was I was expecting more people to show up. It's just that, you know, again, you know, here we are. Uh you missed it. Don't worry. The audio is posted now on Patreon, so you can go ahead and participate in it. But this is not what we're doing here. What we're doing here is a reading. We're just going to read scripture, and then we're going to spend time reflecting on scripture. So we're going to make the most with the time that's afforded to us this morning, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask three questions in this time. The three questions that we're going to ask are, well, Lord, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning people? And then the third question is going to be, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And we're going to posture ourselves in this way to hear from God and to hear what God has to say to us as we engage through the reading of the book of Psalms. We've read from Genesis, and now we're reading all the way up to Psalms. And so let's pray together as we read the word. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you brought us together. I pray that you would... Speak to us today. Lord, reveal the truth of your word to us. Lord, reveal your heart to us, your will, your desire. Lord, expose in us what needs to be exposed. And uh, Lord, refine in us what needs to be refined. Um, exhort us where we need exhortation and encouragement. And, and Father, just guide us and shape us in this time. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Psalm 28, and we're going to read verse 1, and this is what it says. To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me. Lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. 
Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Do not take me away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity who speak peace to their neighbors, but evil in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them according to the work of their hands. Render to them what they deserve because they did not just they did not regard the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. He shall destroy them and not build them up. Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise him. The Lord is their strength and he is a saving refuge of his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flame of fires. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and the strips and strips the forest bare. And his temple, everyone says glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Chapter 30, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cry out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from the grave. You have kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. The Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear me, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me, my mourning into dancing. You have put my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. In you, oh Lord, I put my trust. Deliver me in your righteousness. Sorry, in you, oh Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness, 
Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net, which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in in adversities, and you have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief, yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I am a reproach among all my enemies, but because among my neighbors, and I am repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of my mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you, in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in your secret place of your presence from the plots of men. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard my voice and my supplications when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful, and he fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in God. Chapter 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all day long for day and night, your hand was very heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of the summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. In a time you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, you shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. 
You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me from the songs. Sorry, you shall surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle. And bridle. Else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy all you upright in heart. I'll read one more. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right and his and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is the fullness. Sorry, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He plans, he makes the plans of people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees all the sons of men. From all the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their heart individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by a multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. One more, one more, one more. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked at looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want for those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. 
Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones. None of them is broken. He shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. The word of God. Psalm 34 is one of my favorite Psalms and I felt it'd be great for us to close out our time of reading with Psalm 34. Um, so many ways I can go. So many ways I can go. So many things I could say. So many directions I can go. So many things to break down. Each and every one of these chapters is a rant all by itself. I call these the read and rant because, yes, we read Scripture and we're spending closer to maybe 15 minutes since we're really just sitting in the book of Psalms and we're kind of just working through it. But I... You know, I, I call this the read and rant because we read and then we rant, meaning I have nothing prepared. I don't know what I'm exactly about to say until I begin to read and to really hear what the Lord is saying. I think it's important in our discipline, in our time, and in our relationship with God that we spend a significant, a considerable amount of time in the meditation of the Word not simply in the study of the word, where we are posturing ourselves to hear from God by his spirit. Yesterday in our Bible study, we were talking through and doing a study on the book of Revelation. You know, and, and what I've been trying to help people understand and help people help explain to people is that Revelation is not what has been taught to you. Um, often we teach Revelation, but there are often very, very, very shallow perspectives of the book of Revelation when Revelation is really speaks and teaches about much more than what most people say. But there's one thing that he says in the opening letter to the, to the churches in the book of Revelation as he's revealing Jesus Christ, because the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And as he's revealing Jesus Christ to them, each of the churches that he's writing to have grievances. And there's these grievances that he has for each of these churches. And of course, he celebrates the one church, the Philadelphia church, which is the faithful church. But aside from that, he's got these grievances for these churches. And then at the end of the grievances, he says, let those who have ears, for those who have ears, let them hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. He's saying to them, read the scripture and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. It's not enough for us to disclose the text. It's not enough for us to disclose Scripture. We have to posture ourselves to discern the Scripture. 
is anybody catching what I'm saying? Like, it's not enough to simply say, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna see what this says and understand it with my mind, right? Understand it with my intellectual facility. And then from, uh, you know, and then afterwards to go, okay, now that I understand it, move on with my day. When really what the scripture is saying is only one layer. We must dis- not just disclose, meaning exposit the text, but we have to discern the text because we have to read the scripture and then hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Because we can, we can hear the text and read the text and come to an equal understanding about the text. But then after we have read it, with equal understanding, two people can receive two different revelations from the same exact text. You know how you know a teaching is filled with the Spirit? You know how it's Spirit-filled? It's not Spirit-filled because people are overwhelmed by the emotion of the sermon itself or the emotion of the teaching itself. You know that it's Spirit-filled when you preach a sermon or you teach a scripture or you read a scripture and five different people come up with five different revelations that pertain to their heart, their soul, and their mind because it is the Spirit of God that testifies to our spirit that we are children of God. It is the Spirit of God that testifies to us. So we ought to be reading the text And we ought to be hearing what the Spirit or discerning what the Spirit is saying. Now, I like that question. Is one more correct than the other? The answer, this is the, the, let me make sure you understand what I mean when we have five people who take away. It's not five different interpretations. Okay? It's not five different interpretations of the text. It's five different convictions. I want to make sure everybody understands the distinction. The, the, the scripture is makes simple the wise, makes wise makes wise uh, the simple, simple the wise, wise the simple. But even then, as you're reading the text, even if you come up with the same understanding of the text, the revelation will be different. Because the scripture is supposed to convict you and to shape you and to mold you into who God intends you to be. So when we talk about the exegesis or the interpretation of the text, there shouldn't be different interpretations. There should be one understanding of what the scripture is saying. And when there are different interpretations, usually... It's not because we're taking clearly what it says, but rather we're still being, you know, we're still, you know, um, uh, inserting our own cultural context and our own way of thinking and our own uh, idolatry and our own. And, and so because of that, we come up with all these different, you know, interpretations. But there could be and there should be actually different convictions. I should be reading this text 
And once I get the revelation of Christ, because that's where all scripture is supposed to go to anyway, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Once I have the revelation of Christ, then it changes me. Then it makes me. Then it then it convicts me as to who I need to be, who I ought to be, or who I'm being shaped and molded to be. And so that's why I say that five different people can read five uh, the same text and yet get to five different convictions. And that's why I ask you guys to read it in that way. I'm reading this today. And it's, it's because I'm not afforded the kind of time that I'm usually afforded today. But I'm reading this today. And as we've been reading, we see we read these Psalms of David, Psalm 28. And I highlighted this verse in Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. And with my song, I will praise him. We read in Psalm 29, give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength, the voice of the Lord. We see how he breaks the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord. And then at the end, he says, the Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits at his as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. We get a Psalm 30. And what I highlighted from that is when he says, for his anger is but for a moment, his favor for life, weeping may endure for a night, but joy, joy comes in the morning. Then he says in, 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 in verse 11, you have turned for me my morning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Then in, in chapter 31, he says, for you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Oh my goodness. And then, and, and, and I highlighted this with a different color because I wanted you to see this. In Psalm 31, verse five, into your hand, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. If anybody knows, these were the words, the final words of Jesus on the cross. I commit my spirit. And notice that what Jesus is pointing to when he says it, he's saying, you have redeemed me, O Lord of truth. That is the work that he is doing on the cross. This is a foreshadow of what he is doing or what he will do. We see now Jesus bringing redemption into fruition, bringing redemption into existence, redeeming all of humanity by his sacrifice on the cross. And then he says in verse 14, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. Stay with me, fam. And then he says, for I said in haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you have heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you, his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful. And then we read in 32, he says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me. In verse 7, 32, verse 7, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Then we, we see in, in Psalm 33, for the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is fullness, full um, of the goodness of the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. In verse 11, he says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever forever. 
the plans of his heart to all generations. I'm going somewhere. Then we get to 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What are we going to do in the next 10, 15 minutes? What we're going to do in the next 15 minutes, within the next 15 minutes, is we're going to magnify the Lord. Now, some people will say, well, God is already great. Why must I magnify him? Magnification of the Lord. You're not making God bigger when you magnify him. When you magnify the Lord, you're making him bigger in your perspective. A magnifying glass cannot make something bigger or smaller. Are you catching me? I hope somebody's catching what I'm saying here. A magnifying glass cannot make anything bigger or smaller. The only thing a magnifying glass can do is to make it look bigger to you. When you magnify something, you're increasing the size of that thing and the greatness of that thing from your perspective. So when the psalmist says, magnify the Lord with me, we're not making God bigger or smaller. What we're doing is, is we're changing our perspective so that we can see the greatness and the goodness of God. When he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me, what he's saying is, is that there's this great God, this big God, who many of us have made small because we've allowed the circumstances of our lives, we've allowed the mundane of life, the everyday waking up and, and rising, the, the, the vanity of life. We've allowed those things to shrink our perspective of a great God who is in all things and who breathes through all things, who, who speaks through all things, who is alive and moving through all things. And yet, because we get into the mundane, we allow the mundane of life to take away our, our wonder. Have you let the mundane in life take away your wonder? Have you let your everyday life take away your wonder. You know, I have a seven-month-old right now, and she's, um, it's just amazing to see her as she's growing and as she's developing and to see how she sees the world and how she sees the leaves and, and the, the trees and the clouds. And she's just looking around because everything is new. Everything is new to her. Everything is brand new. She is living a life right now in wonder. Everything is a wonder to her. And it's just cool to see it. And there's a part of me that sometimes wants to go back to that, to just go back and to look at the world through the life and through the lens of a child to see how there's so much wonder. And I wonder whether or not we've done that with God. 
that when we first had our first time encounter with God, that God was huge. He was big. He was great to us. But then over time, we became inured by uh, the simplicity of life and the vicissitudes of life and the mundane of life. And then in the end, the wonder just disappeared. And now because we've lost the wonder, we've lost our worship, and God has become so small and minuscule to us because of our everyday life. But what if we need to revisit this invitation that the psalmist says in Psalm 34, when he says in verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Maybe we need our wonder back. Maybe we got to go back to that time when we had just encountered God and experienced him in a visceral, powerful way. Maybe maybe we've we've lost our wonder because we've let the everyday life take us away from who god is is it possible that we've lost our wonder because we have transitioned from a god who we simply want to understand what he's about and what he's for and know his will than a god where we would know his heart Is it possible that we lost our worship because we got so enamored by our doctrine? We lost our worship because we got so enamored by the will of God and the mind of God, and we lost the heart of God. And because we lost the heart of God now, we've lost our wonder because now God is just an idea. And he's an idea that we all espouse to, but not a person that we are to be in intimate relationship with. I wonder if we've lost our wonder because we've just been so enamored by doctrine and theology, all good to protect our faith, but not what cultivates our growth in him. We need to spend time in him to know his heart. We worship in spirit and in truth not just in truth, but in spirit and in truth. I'm only saying this to you guys, and I'm only really breaking this down for you because here's the reality. The reality is many of us, we have phased out of worship. We have phased out in worship. We phased out our worship in a way where God now is something that is other than like we we phased out our worship where God is just this this idea, and we don't own anymore who God is in our own lives. I'll give you an example. Ready for this? If you ask somebody right now who is God, at least the Western thinker, you ask them who is God. If somebody who grows up in church, tell me something about God. If you ask somebody to tell you something about God, this is what they're going to say. They're going to say God is a redeemer. They're going to say that God is sovereign. They're going to say that God is righteous. They're going to say that God is all-powerful. They're going to tell you that he's the king of kings. They're going to tell you that he's the Lord of lords. They're going to tell you all these things about God, and they're going to speak about the attributes of God. But notice that all those attributes that they speak about God is separate from them. When in reality, if you ask someone who's truly in relationship with God and you ask him, tell me something about God, they're going to tell you who God is to them. They're going to say, God is my father. He's my healer. 
He's my deliverer. He's my righteousness. He is my, you understand? And so this is what happens when we get so bogged down to ideology and theology that we lose who God is to us. And what the book of Psalms does is the book of Psalms, I'm warming up, the book of Psalms, what it does is it invites us to go back and to truly ask who God is and to truly invite people to get back to a God who's not just an idea and a God who's not just this all-powerful being who has all these attributes, but a God who you can take ownership of. This is what magnifying the Lord looks like. This is how we magnify. This is how we participate even in this moment and how we sing praise and we glorify God. Because now when I remember and get into recollection about who God is for me, ah, he's, he's my deliverer. He, he's my healer. We see all throughout the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He said the Lord is my shepherd. What do we read in, in chapter 27? He said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. Notice he's owning it. He's owning it. When we, we, that's why I said, pay attention as I'm reading, because he says, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shield. Mm -hmm. And that's why my heart trusts in him because he's mine. The Lord is my king. He is my deliverer. This is what the Lord does for me. I've owned this now because now, because the Lord is mine, I can know his heart and not just his mind. And it's when I get to know him as my father, as my deliverer, and as my healer, as my... This is what I love is that when we see David, David does not have a, um, a doctrinal understanding of God. He has an experiential understanding of God. And for many of us, we don't understand what the experiential theology is. We actually don't have an experienced definition of God. We just have a Bible study and a doctrinal definition of God. But when you know God as Yahweh, when you know him as Jehovah, the great I am, then when you define God now, he has to be what he meets you in the moment of the experience of your life, where you need him the most. He is your shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. He is your deliverer. He is your provider, Jehovah Jireh. He is your peace. When you start making him mine, that's when you truly get to know who God is because now you own him. He's my strength. He is my redeemer. He is my deliverer. He is my joy. And if he's mine, ain't nobody taking that away. Can't nobody take my God away because he's my God. He's not just a God. He's not just a deliverer. He's not just the God who gives salvation. He is my salvation. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is, y'all catching me. And so when he is mine now, 
Oh, that's when we truly get to magnify him. Because now, because he's mine, naturally by my spirit, I aggrandize him and I make him big. And then I invite other people to experience what is mine because what is mine can be yours. You are my hiding place. He's not just a hiding place. You're my hiding place. No, no, no. We get stuck in ideas of God. We get stuck trying to prostrate ourselves and push ourselves. We get stuck on, 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 on getting to know who we are. But how can you know who you are apart from God? How can you know who you are apart from God? How can you know and experience righteousness apart from God? How can you experience salvation apart from God? He doesn't just give you grace. He is grace. He's the spirit of grace. And he wants to know you. He's yours. Just put that in the chat. He's mine. Like he's mine. He's all mine. Like he, this is not, this is not something that I need to aspire towards. He's mine. He, he's mine. He's my God. He's my salvation. He's, he's my fortress. He's mine. Yes, he's mine. That's what we say. He's mine. And because he's mine now, praise God, because he's mine, I can find hope in him, peace in him, because he's mine. I don't need to pursue him. I don't need to win him. He's mine. He, he's mine. Notice what magnifying does. And then I'm going to stop right here. Because I want you to sit on that today. That magnifying the Lord begins with you making him yours. It's not shouting the Lord over the rooftops. He's got to be yours first. And now that he's yours, notice, no matter what, he's mine. <laughs> no matter what I've been through, he's mine. No matter what I've done, he's mine. He's mine. And David, who's a man who's uh, who's had a questionable past, to say the least, still makes that declaration, says he's mine. But I want to point something out to you. And it's just, just a teaching point. I, I know I, I wanted to close with just this one teaching point. That's right, Dolphin fan. Pray for us. Um, teaching point. Stay with me here. People, I'm going to go a little deeper here, so stay with me. People say over and over again, Pastor, how do I hear the voice of God? Or people over and over again have said, I, 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 you know, I, I can't hear his voice. I, I want to hear from God. And, and there are people who say, well, I just I just don't hear from God. I just don't hear from him. And, and for people, when they ask that question, what they think of when they see or they hear about the voice of God, when people think about the voice of God, they think about this 
huge, bassy voice and all the echo and reverb. And they just hear God speak loudly, 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 loudly. When God's voice is still and small, he says that he has a still, small voice. And often when people are trying to hear the voice of God, they're waiting for a big, booming voice, but they don't realize that God's voice is different. When God speaks, he speaks through nature. He speaks through people. He speaks through the life. I look at Psalm 29, and he says, the voice of the Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. As the cedars splinter, you hear the voice of the Lord. As you, as the flames crackle, you hear the voice of the Lord. As the wilderness shakes, you hear the voice of the Lord. As the forests are bare, stripped bare, you hear the voice of the Lord. You hear the voice of the Lord through the meandering of life and the movement of life. And many people are waiting to hear the voice of God, and yet God is speaking even in this moment. The question is, are you listening? And, and so people are waiting to hear the voice of God, the voice of God, the voice of God. I want to hear the voice of God. Oh, my goodness. Fam, God is speaking right now. And if we would just pause and take him as our own, then we would begin to hear the voice of God. If there's anything I'm praying for people right now, it's for, the, it's for you to hear the voice of God. You'll hear the voice of God when you hear a child crying. You'll hear the voice of God when you hear the wind blowing. You're, you'll hear the voice of God when you see how a father down the street is interacting with his daughter. You'll hear the voice of God and seeing the waves crashing on the beach. You will see the voice of God when the sun is setting and you'll see the voice of God when you see the sun rising. You will hear and you'll see the voice of God if you would allow it when you uh, reflect on um, your family and your life and you begin to see how all of it begins to attach and fit together and how all of it's being constructed and moved. And, and as you begin to just spend time in, in nature and in the interaction of people and individuals, and you begin to see how one loves another, and you begin to see how one has died for another, and you begin to see how people have, this is, this is how you begin to see and to hear the voice of God what you're waiting for and what you're looking for is not in it's not it's not a big booming voice that's going to speak real loud no the voice of the lord is speaking right now to you and when he speaks to you you're going to see his voice there's nothing more powerful than sitting outside and all of a sudden hearing the voice of God. Nothing like it. There's nothing more powerful than hearing the voice of God. 
There's nothing more powerful than sitting down on the porch and all of a sudden you begin to hear the voice of God. There's nothing more powerful than when you're on the beach and you're sitting there and you're seeing the waves crash and all of a sudden you begin to see the voice of God. And for many, you're waiting for this big booming voice and yet he speaks with a still small voice. And when he speaks with a still small voice, you begin to see his voice. You begin to see it through the wind. You begin to see it through people. You begin to see it through a child loving her father. And you begin to see it through a mother loving her son. And you begin to see it through a baby being born. You begin to see it through all these things. And all of a sudden, you become overwhelmed by the very fact that all of this is being orchestrated by the divine grace and power of God. And that's when uh, the voice of God begins to speak loudly. And it is powerful. It is powerful. But if you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to make him your own. When he becomes my voice, my God, when he becomes my fortress, when he becomes my salvation, when he becomes my deliverance, when he becomes my strong tower, when you, when you rest in that, when he's your father and you are his son, or you are his daughter, in that moment that that comes to full fruition, oh, that's when you decode the voice of God. And man, oh man, there's nothing like it. So I invite you today to magnify the Lord. I invite you today to make him your own. And I invite you today to hear the voice of God. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that as we've come together, Lord, I thank you that you have given us, Lord, the privilege of encountering you through your creation, encountering you through your people, encountering you through our daily habits and activities, Account, just, just, just having an encounter with you in, in all things. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you brought us all together, Lord, to read your Psalms and to be convicted of this truth, Lord, that you are more than just an idea to know, but you are person to know. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that we get deeper into our understanding and awareness of you. Lord, that in the end, we will hear your voice and be transformed by it. And I ask that in Jesus' name, amen and amen.